Today's episode of Faces and Feels is brought to you by Dude, Where's My Ring? At DWMR Perth, it's no ring, no holds barred action straight out of Perth, Western Australia. Check out all our shows for free right now on YouTube and be sure to follow us on social media. What it is, what's up, and welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I'm your host, Rafe Houston, and today I'm joined by not one but two very special guests. That's right, you've probably tuned in, you've probably read the title, and today I'm joined by the one and only legendary artist, Sayazawa, and making it all happen is my new friend, Yuki Kasai Parade. Now, Yuki and I met through a mutual friend, the one and only DM Stevens, referee for GCW. Uh, and Yuki is making a, a very interesting documentary. Uh, it's called Bad Girl, and it is about the one and only Betty slash Oscar. So I'm, I want to let you just tell everybody in your own words real quick, Yuki, um, about that documentary and how that came to be and also how you're so great at so many languages. <laughs> well, hi, uh, my name is Yuki. Uh, thank you for giving me this, this, uh, this time. So I'm a photographer, director, and sometimes translator. Uh, <laughs> As of I'm now. I'm currently making... <laughs> Sorry, yeah, as of now. <laughs> um, currently working on this documentary about the incredible uh, Venny slash Asuka. Uh, you know, first discovered her on YouTube during COVID, actually, and just fell in love with her stage presence. And one thing led to another, started filming. The film is coming out next year. Um, and yeah, I met... Uh, our mutual friend DM through her match that she had in, when I went to shoot her match with um, GCW. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, <laughs> thank you for having me. <laughs> well, I do want to give a shout out to DM. Uh, he's been a long time listener of the show and has become a really good friend of mine. And I had mentioned to him how I had met say in real life in Japan, which was really, really cool. We met through a mutual friend, Madman Pondo. Um, Absolutely love him and he introduced me to Say and we ended up uh, not only hanging out the original night but that we would then ran into each other randomly on a rooftop bar elsewhere and ended up spending some time together. And I was saying to DM how I would love to interview Say but really there is that language barrier there. Though despite uh, Say being very good at English, I personally thought, we, we really wanted to give him the opportunity to tell his story uh, in a way. And so I was looking for a translator and, and after he met you, he just thought about connecting us. And I, I'm so grateful to him for that. And I'm so grateful for you for your time today and giving it up to to help do something pretty special today, I think. Of course. I'm excited. Excellent. <laughs> so say, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for, for basically embarking on something completely new and completely different. Um, I'm really excited to share your story with the listeners. When I do this show, my very first question that I always ask everybody was, what were some of the first 
faces or personalities that you saw in wrestling that caught your attention that made you fall in love with the wrestling as a fan? えっと、he says that basically um, in the 80s, the, there, was, there was a kind of show on TV, on, on prime time television, where they were playing uh, so wrestling. And uh, Antonio Inoki was kind of like the star at the time. And that, and he was a, uh, Seisan was around six or seven years old. And that's when it all started for him. He completely fell in love with Antonio. You know, he was mesmerized by what he saw on TV. And, you know, it was a time where basically anybody could just open a TV and see wrestling playing. So that's really how he got started getting into it. So that's his key figure. Absolutely. Um, when... I think of Japanese wrestling, which is something that, you know, it holds a real dear place in my heart. It is that accessibility to wrestling in Japan, you know. It, it's almost like a mainstream sport there, you know. They take it very seriously and and all types of wrestling, deathmatch, you know, normal, all the different leagues, all are, are very respected uh, by the fans. Is that something that, Growing up, he could be uh, open and uh, have other friends that were were fans. Like everybody was open in their fandom. はい。えっと、僕がまあ、え、学生の頃は、まあ、あの、プロレスファンは学校にたくさんいます、やっぱり。で、えっと、まず、テレビ中継が毎週、え、あることと、あとあの、マスコミが プロレスはとても発達してたと思います。他の国に比較して、週刊誌のウィークリーのプロレス雑誌が、まあ、あの、毎週発売されているし、スポーツ新聞は毎日プロレスを扱いますから、まあ、すべてのスポーツ新聞
you know, every day or every week or so, you know, there was like all this information coming mm-hmm. um, and, you know, easily accessible, which made it, you know, easier to access that information. Absolutely. So for me growing up in Australia, it was not that in any way. Uh, there was no TV coverage for me growing up. Uh, I ended up finding out about it when somebody uh, gave me a magazine at school when I was a child, a wrestling magazine. Uh, And then I would go to the video store and rent out VHS tapes, if we're talking about old dated media, like things like newspapers, VHS tapes, and then just watch old WWF, you know, uh, Hulk Hogan, uh, Randy Savage, uh, things like that, um, until it, it got up to date. But it was a very... I guess, isolated fandom for me until I started my podcast because nobody else really cared or knew about it. So it was amazing when I went to Japan and it was this big, you know, open, everybody's there, big, exciting party when I went to the shows. Um, sorry, just to go back. So <laughs> you said you went to the video store and rented what? Uh, <laughs> age different showing here. Uh, do you know what a VHS tape is? Oh, a VHS tape. Sorry. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like now, now you're no, really no, fucking, I, I now you're pushing it. <laughs> Just like mini disc. <laughs> oh, sorry. あの、日本人はま、みんなが見ながらじゃないけれどもプロレスが好きな人はプロレスを日本は昔からあの格闘技やスポーツとして見てるんですよね、日本人は。で え、一方でその文化として見るというか、そのプロレスについて語るっていう文化があると思うんです、日本には。あの、ま、それは週刊誌が発達しているプロレスの専門誌が発達していることが一番の理由だと思うんですけれど、だからその仲間とプロレスについ
はいえー、っとですねまずあのー、アントニオ猪木ジャイアントババあたりは、えー、知らない日本人はいないです、えー、今は今からあのー、今若い人たちはまともかくとしてまあ、僕らの世代前後の人で知らない人はいないだからもう、えー、本当に著名人ですねで、えー、他にもあの例えば長州力さんみたいに引退してから、えー、メディアにまだ出ている人もたくさんいるしあのプロレスラーっていうのがそんなにマニアックな存在ではないと思います。うん Um, so he says that, you know, like, yes, they are known by the general public. He says, you know, names like Antonio Inoki,、uh, Giant Baba,、um, or Choshiriki. He says, you know, they're figures that are simply celebrities. So there are, you know, there is no one that doesn't know their names. <laughs> Basically, if you live in Japan, you probably know their names. And he was、um, raising the name of Choshiriki as like an example of someone who, even after they retired wrestling, they still. Go into you know, TV shows or just bigger media, and they have like a presence in the social spaces. So he says that it's not really considered sort of a,、um, a niche、uh, interest, I guess. Yes. Yeah. In, in Western society, I think because of the way they present wrestling. So in, in Japan, I feel like. Like it, it, it's presented like struggle through sport, yeah? Like,、uh, like a tale of, of overcoming things and presented like a real sport. In, in Western culture, like in America, with all the hokiness and, and funniness and, you know, the different lives and life characters, it is sort of looked down on a little bit, you know, by real sports people that it is predetermined or an act or entertainment. And so, as a result, even though some of these big names can be very famous, they're sort of looked on sometimes as less than, you know, with, with the exception of maybe like The Rock, you know, <laughs> like who has, has crossed over, you know, into that acting realm. There is always that sort of asterisk next to people's name. You know what I mean? Hi, 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 hi. えー、プロレスを、まあ、有名にしたのは力道山という人がいてで、まあ、力道山はもともとはお相撲さんですから、えー、やっぱりプロレスをその格闘技として日本に広めたかったんですね。で、えー、日本にそのテレビ中継テレビというものが普及するのに役立ったのもプロレスでだから力道山は最初からそのプロレスを日本においてメジャースポーツとして広げるっていうことを、まあ、考えていたから。まずそれが一つあると思うんですよね。その日本でそのいわゆるエンターテインメントの方にあまり寄らなかったっていうのは力道山の影響はあるんじゃないかなと僕は思いますし、うんまあそういう国だからアントニオイノキはモハメドアリと戦うことになるし、まあ UWF も生まれたということだと思います。Okay, sorry.、Um, so he was basically saying that、um, basically in Japan, you know, wrestling started to become Um, to be known post, post war, essentially. And、um, Riki Dozan, who is kind of a really important figure in the, make, the, the start of wrestling in Japan, used to be a、um, sumo wrestler, so, which is you know, a Japan's sport.、Yeah. So essentially, like, 
from the get-go, there was this strong image of wrestling as a sport. Like he kind of wanted to um, spread the knowledge about wrestling to the Japanese population through wrestling as a sport. So, you know, it's, and also um, Rikidozan kind of really helped actually the propagation of television because people were actually buying TVs to see him wrestling. Wow. So he was a big part of, yeah, the making of both, um, the spread of both TVs and wrestling. So he says that basically from the very start, um, wrestling was supposed, intended to be a major sport in Japan. So it was never a question of being sort of an entertainment. Mm -hmm. Um, He says that maybe that's why figures like... um, えっと、uh, a lot of wrestling fans will sometimes look at those matches that Antonio Inoki used to do. He used to do a lot of stuff where he would cross over shoot fighters or, you know, mixed martial artists or boxers and have them fight with the wrestlers. Now, those matches were never really the technically greatest or not what you would consider the best pro wrestling matches. But I could imagine now that, that he explains it that these were huge attraction matches because in the eyes of the people, all of these sports stars were on the same level, pro wrestler, you know, mixed martial artist, uh, boxer, all the same. So, yeah, I think that's what happened. Okay. So let's talk a, a little bit then about the underground nature of wrestling and more specifically deathmatch wrestling. So it's something that I was only exposed to, you know, in the last five, six years, something like that. When I went to Japan, I, I had gone to see Wrestle Kingdom. And when I was there, I was handed a flyer to go to a, a big Japan show and I did not know what it was. And then I was <laughs> very struck by a lot of glass, 100 light tube, very extreme, but very interesting. How was Say first um, exposed to deathmatch wrestling? えっとですね。うん、ま、先ほど見たように僕は最初はアントニオ猪木のファンなので、で、ま、日本のプロレスはずっとその説得力を求めてきているなんていうか歴史というか部分があると思ってでだからまあUWFできたり天竜さんのその天竜革命があったりとかってそのえ説得力のあるプロレスっていうのをずっと僕も追っていてでそこにまあオニタアツシさんがデ
Okay, so he, it all started with Antonio Inoki, and then he, it, that kind of, um, his fascination for wrestling kind of evolved into pursuing a sort of um, need for being convinced. So he was attracted to wrestling that was able to convince the public. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, uh, he then got into Tendu, and then he saw Onidatsushi around uh, 1989. And then he started being fascinated by the way that um, they could, through death matches, could show pain in a very convincing way. Um, I mean, they're really getting hurt, seeing the sort of scars that are on the bodies. Um, there was this hardness, this directness of seeing that blood, of seeing those um, scars being formed in front of you. There was this, it was extremely convincing uh, for him. And uh, that's how he was, he started to be fascinated with it. So basically the way he got into it was through Onitatsushi um, FMW. Mm, absolutely. When when I first saw Big Japan and I saw the deathmatch wrestlers come out for the first time, uh, Masashi Takeda, um, you know, uh, Abdullah Kobayashi, things like that, and saw the... Um, heavy scarring stuff. It was something that was very shocking to me because I didn't um, know or expect that's what I was going to see that day. And after the show, you you walk out and, you know, all the the wrestlers are out uh, taking photos and, you know, covered in blood, heavily scarred, and they're right there. Like you could just reach out and touch them kind of thing. And it seemed larger than life, these like – warriors that had been through so much just right there do you does he think that that is a huge part like the the scarring and sort of you know the intensity of it is something that really lends them credibility and respect within the fan base あの、あの、he's saying that basically uh he says yes and a good example of that is um uh basically uh with all of the scars and the 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 damage that he had on his body he had in total he had uh thousand stitches and so basically he had a party to celebrate the thousandth stitch that he got and it was a it was a huge thing and so he says that yes like uh the scars that one gets on his body on their body is kind of like a it's kind of a, a trophy or a kind of m- making of history <clears throat> absolutely i think um you know, from an outside perspective for people that don't understand or, or are not familiar, you know, when I show friends and stuff and they see like these wrestlers, like if you show uh, a picture of, say, Kasai Julian, um, to people, they're very shocked. But 
I, I do I do think there is that. Like I think a, a goal for Japanese deathmatch wrestlers is to get there right, is to be that worn, rugged warrior to tell the story of their many battles right there on their skin. これはもう、あの、学術的な資料になってるんじゃないかって言ったんですよね。その、有史以来こんなに傷のある人間いないと思うんですよ。あの、デスマッチの人たちほど。人間の歴史始まって以来。だからこれはもう本当に研究材料にな
and that you know that's kind of the point of him doing this and so um Seisan says that you know he said he thinks it's it's fine that you know people who get it get it people who like it like it those that don't they just simply don't yeah i think um when you look at Jun Kasai's career right now and the things he's doing with New Japan Pro Wrestling and GCW and crossing over into that greater market, you know, working with John Moxley, et cetera, it kind of proves him right. You know, he had the vision to be like, I'm going to be the most extreme version of this thing. I'm going to take this as far as this can be and then come out on the other side. You know what I mean? And it's his status is so legendary within within the the realms of wrestling and the respect that he receives because of it is I think very warranted because there's a respect that comes with like just doing something 100% like I'm going to be this thing more than anybody else has been this thing I think is is pretty amazing うん、うん、うん。そうですよね。あの、ま、あの、大仁田さんだったり、松永さんだったり、ずっとデスマッチをこう作ってきた人たちがいるわけですけれども、ま、加西選手はそうですね。あの、ま、同じことをやった人がい
あの大仁田さんは1989年に FMW を旗揚げした頃はあの全くカリスマでも何でもなくてですねあの一度やめた一度全日本プロレスをやめたあの元ジュニアヘビー級チャンピオンでしかなかったんですねだからあの正直な話僕らも FMW という新しい、まあ、本当初期の日本のインディペンデント団体ですからほとんど期待してなかったんですけれども、まあ、織田さんが空手の選手青柳選手と戦ったりデスマッチやったりして、えー、注目をまあ浴びていくんだけども確かにおっしゃるように感情表現がすごく豊かなのでもう泣いたり叫んだりするんですよね。そうするとこう、うんまあ、日本風に言うと臭いんですけど。<笑>臭いんですけど泥臭いしまあなんかちょっと大げさにも見えるんだけどやっぱりみんなこう惹かれちゃうんですねこうあの魅力感じちゃうんですよねだから小田さんは本当に気が付いたらスタジアム工業が打てるぐらいの大物になっていたのであのすごく当時は驚きましたあの本当に恥をかくこと涙を流すこともう全然いとわずにやってびっくりなったっていう印象です。で、体も傷つけて。He said that when、uh, Onitachi first started his career, he really didn't have what we could call a charisma or anything. He was kind of this guy who, you know, just started something. Even when、uh, FMW started, like, it was kind of this like, up and coming new independent、um, association. And so, you know, He, he really didn't have this sort of like exploding、uh, presence or anything in the beginning. And then he started having like a match with like a karate.、Um, uh, what do you call it? Like a, a mixed martial art? A、or? karate player? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>、um, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So a、uh, um, martial artist versus a wrestler kind of thing, like yeah, karate、exactly. fighter. Yeah.、So yeah. They, So he did matches like that. And then, you know, as you said, the matches are extremely emotional. He was crying a lot, screaming. And he said that the, the kind of,、um, he would call it a sort of corniness, this kind of corniness that you could feel in his matches were kind of off putting in the beginning. But there was this weird attraction that sort of started building around that corniness or that like the, this like slapstick nature of these emotions were. Slowly building inside of people, and so he started gaining fans through that. And he said that there's this, there was this weird、um, fascination around how he could shame himself, I guess, on stage by like crying and like、mm-hmm. feeling all these emotions、mm-hmm. that you know eventually sort of grew in popularity. And he said, he says that next thing you know, it he was booking all these huge stages. so He said it, it, it all kind of happened really quickly and surprisingly, actually.、Mm. Yeah, that's what I, I found to be、uh, so interesting. Like looking back on it, you know, as a fan that has gone back and, you know, watched a few of these things and stuff over time and watching them, you know, respe-、uh, retrospectively, I'm kind of like, this is sort of all the same. Like he kind of like wins the match and he kind of has a cry and then he goes back and he like covers them, you know, and he protects his enemy and then everybody's friends at the end. But then you watch a few of them and you're like, I really do like him though. Like, <laughs> you know, I, th- I think there's, there's a certain charm about him and the honesty and earnestness. And then also 
how just fucking cool he is just just leads to something very special. So uh, I imagine at the time, like living that and in, in, in the real presence, it would have been really um, been a real magnetism. Like it would have really drawn people in, which it did, obviously. うん、あの、そうですね。ま、とにかく会場は沸いてましたよね。その ま、松永さんがエースで。で、ウィングのデスマッチは大仁田さんと違って、うん、だから当時はデスマッチって、デスマッチもまあいろいろ種類があったので、うん、まあそういうところも面白かったですね。90年代の前半ぐらいは。he says yes, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of the fans uh were also feeling those emotions that he was stirring in the public and he says, you know, a lot of people would cry whenever he was crying. Um and so yeah, there was a lot of emotions in the room. Um and he says that eventually there's this um company called Wing that uh, started uh, uh, with like Mr. Danger, and he says that basically this company was a lot more, um, what's the word? A little bit more. Um, whereas like Oni uh, she was you know very shiny, sparkly like you know this mm -hmm. this corniness, this like obviousness. Uh, whereas like Wing was a little bit more of sort of a. うん、let me kind of like darkness or like this scariness to like it. Grittiness? Like very different. Like Sorry? like a grittiness to it, like a dirtiness. A grittiness. There we go. <laughs> yes, there's a, exactly. There's a sort of grittiness, mm. a sort of darkness, a spookiness yes. um, that they had in comparison to what uh, Oni thought she was doing. That's like in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. And he says that, um, so Seisan gradually got more into that zone. Um, so what Wing was doing mm -hmm. with uh, Mats, uh, this, what's um, it called? Matsuna, uh, with, um, Mr. Danger. Mr. Danger and um, Matsunaga-san. Uh, and then, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, cooks a great steak as well, does Matsunaga. <laughs> Mr. Danger. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Say's art, yeah? So before we, we talk uh, about how he ended up doing shirts uh, for Man Man Pondo, et cetera, had he been drawing his entire life? Uh, did he work as a professional artist? What was his background in art before he ever started drawing uh, designs for wrestlers? あの、子供の頃から絵を描くのは好きです。好きでした。あの、本当にずっと好きで。うん。だけど、あの、絵の勉強をしたことはないです。<笑> 
学校に行ったことはないです。So he says that he's always drawn ever since he was a kid, but he never went to school for it. Okay, self taught. And then how did his first meeting go?、Um, I know the, the first design he ever drew was it, was it for, I, I mix up the timeline, was it for Madman Pondo first or Mad Dog first? はい、えっと、最初は、え、さっき名前が出たミスターデンジャーの、え、松永さんですね。え、松永さんと、え、金村さん。あの時はウィング金村の名前だったのかな。ま、あの松永対金村ワンマッチが、え、企画されたことがあ
っと、誰つながりでそうなったんでしょうか。あ、えっ、ー、と、知人の紹介です。あの、最初の、<笑>えっと、T シャツを、その松永田金村の T シャツを書く前に、あの、知人の紹介で再形成したウイングのパンフレットの絵とかを書いたんですよ。ところがそれが仕事として成立しなかったので、まあ、それを覚えていてくれたのか、うん、その当時のスタッフの方がプロモーターになった時にあの僕に仕事を振ってくれたんですそれが最初の T シャツになりあ,ありがとうございます、はい、So he says that it's a little bit of a complicated story but that basically、um, Wing、uh, you know, they, they disbanded and then came back together disbanded and came back together a couple times and then basically、um, Through someone that he knew, he was asked, Hey, can you draw us something for us? And it wasn't a t shirt at the time, it was something else. But he so he made a drawing for Wing,、mm-hmm. but he actually was not paid for that job. And so、um, it was kind of, you know, not a really fun experience for、uh, Seisan. And so someone who was working at Wing at the time、uh, that he did that initial job. Remembered him、uh, after they, they reconfigured Wind. And he remembered about the fact that he was not paid for that、uh, previous job. And he, Seisan, thinks that that person, sort of,、um, because of that experience, wanted to recontact him and sort of offer、uh, another job that you know, was paid、yeah. <laughs> um, that was、um, for a design of a t shirt. So that's kind of how it all came around. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> They did the right thing in the end. Um, how then did he go on to you know, meet the Western wrestlers that he would become synonymous with? So we talk about Madman Pondo, talking about Mad Dog. Was it just through shows, through mutual friends? Because I know they ended up playing like a pretty big part in you know, the iconic nature of Say's designs. Hey, eh, to. まあ、全ての始まりはマトマンポンドさんですね。えー、っと、あれはね、えー、っと2004年だったか2005年だったか、コ、えーラケンホールに第二音プロレス見に行って、そしたら、あのー、ポンドさんとトゥーサフトニーのバカガイジーズっていうのがタッグチームがあるんですけど、まあ、彼らのファンだったんで、僕は。それで、コーラケンホールで試合を見て、でまだ僕はそのプロレスの T シャツは、1枚作っただけですから彼らの T シャツを買おうと思って売店に行ったらないんですねでなくて、えー、ないのかじゃあじゃあ俺が作ろうかなと思ったのが最初なんですねそれで、えー、試合が終わった後になんかこういろいろ調べたら近くのデニーズレストランですねデニーズに彼らがいるっていうのを聞いてそれで、えー、デニーズに行ったんですで実際にポンドさんに会って、えーまあ、自分はイラストレーターなんだけどって、まあ、大した仕事してないんですけどこの頃はまだイラストレーターなんだけども、まあ、T シャツ描きたいんだけどっていうのをこう拙い英語で話したら OK って言われて、はい、で紙ナプキンにメールアドレス書いてもらってそれが最初ですねで僕がプロレスラーに仕事くださいって言ったのはその時だけです<笑>はいだから不思議な縁ですHe says that basically, in, he, said, he thinks around 2004 and 2005,、uh, there was a, a match of、uh, this, the group、uh, Bakagaijin that was happening at Korakuen Hall. And so it was、uh, Madman Pond and、um, Tutof Tony. 
And basically, you know, he really liked the match. He was a big fan of them and he wanted to have a t-shirt by them. So he went to their, um, the post-match, like he went up to them and wanted to buy a t-shirt and he realized that they didn't have any t-shirts. And so basically, um, he told himself, well, I guess I'll have to make one for them. <laughs> so he heard, uh, through people that they were at the Denny, uh, at a, a restaurant called Denny's. Mm-hmm. Um, so he decided to just show up there. Um, and you know, they were there. And so that's where he, um, he met, uh, Madman Pondo. And then he said, listen, I'm, he showed him like the t-shirt that, cause he had only made one t-shirt before, mm-hmm. which was the one we discussed earlier. So he showed him that t-shirt and he said, listen, like, I'm actually an illustrator. I make, I can make t-shirts. Like, I feel like we should make one together. And he said, yeah, sure. Let's do it. And so he, um, wrote his email on a little paper napkin that was at the restaurant. And, uh, that's how it all started. He says that that's the only time in his career that he asked a wrestler to, um, work with them. Wow. That's a, that's really interesting. Was it, uh, intimidating going to find these, you know, Western wrestlers, they speak a different language. Um, it must've been something he was quite passionate about, you know, really enjoyed their match to kind of go out of his way and, and approach them to do this project that he felt very strongly about. はい、はい。あの、そうですね。自分でもなんでそんな勇気があったのかわからないんですけど。うん、でもなんとなく日本人の選手のとこに行くよりは行きやすかった気がしますね。あの、僕はね、今もこう、あの、ゆきさんに助
あのナイスミーチューハローですみませんから日本人の場合は、うん、だからそういう緊張感もあったと思いますあとまあ僕に当時全く実績がない、まあ、プロレスの仕事はその松永さんと金村さんの1回しかないので実績のない人間がやっぱり行くのは勇気いりますよねそれもあったと思います。<笑> He says that there's definitely sort of a difficulty in sort of the way Japanese society treats、um, like interpersonal relationships. There's, you know, even he says if you even take the way that people say hi to each other, you know, in English it's like, hi, nice to meet you. But in Japanese, it, you know, he says it starts with、uh, simasen, which could, could translate to something like、uh, sorry. So there's this kind of like、uh, wariness or like there's this.、Um, Sensitivity around how you are relating to people,、mm-hmm. which he says that it creates a sort of、um, tension that might be difficult. Whereas, you know,、um, he says, especially at the time, he didn't really have the experience to prove himself or to sort of be like, well, all you, you know, this is who I am, this is what I've done. He didn't have that. So it was kind of a, a A stressful point for him to kind of deal with it,、uh, to sort of like navigate with the, the scene in Japan. Absolutely. I could see that. And especially when, you know, he's grown up and through all this and the level of respect and stuff, he would feel, you know, the, the reverence he would feel for the talent. It's not always the easiest to approach people like that. And then when there's the, you know, societal constraints and manners and, Politeness and stuff that you deal with in Japan,、uh, I could see that being a little bit more tricky to navigate than to just, you know, walking up to a couple of guys in a restaurant and being like, hey, I'm doing this. Do you want to do this? <laughs> you know,、um, does he like? I love the I love the formal nature of Japan. I love how polite everybody is and the, the like how structured everything is. It's awesome. But does he. Being the other side of that coin, does he like how, I guess, loose and kind of relaxed it is speaking to, to Western people? You, you know what I mean? Am I explaining that right? You know, like、uh, the, the sort of laid back nature of our greetings and, and our interactions? Yes. 西洋の人たちの方がうーんねあんまりこういうこと言うとね日本の人に怒られちゃうけどまあそうですねやりやすいところはありますよねだからポンドさんなんかにしても本当にあの付き合いやすいです僕にとってははいあの仕事はしやすいですあのまずはえ自由にやらせてくれますよね海外の人は、まあ、みんながみんなじゃないんですけどうるさい人もいるんですけどまあはい、自由にやらせてくれるし、あのー、例えば、先方が出した、まあ、希望がありますよね、こういうものを書いてほしいとか、こういうデザインにしてほしいっていうのを、まあ、僕は思いっきり変えちゃうこともあるんですけど、まあ、そういうところは、まあ、アーティストの感性だからって言って、まあ、理解してくれるし、はいあのー、いい意味でも、いい意味でも、まあその、いい加減対はないけど、適当とも言えないけど、なんていうのかな、そういうところはやりやすいですね。Mm-hmm. Um, he says this, yes, it's a, it's a relatively easier to work with、um, people from the West.、Um, he says that, for example, it's really easy to work with、um, uh, Madman Pondo 
Um, he says they just let him do what he likes and he really likes that. For example, obviously, you know, there are exceptions to this. Not everybody is, you know, easygoing and whatever. But he says that, for example, they will propose sort of a, a general structure to him. And sometimes he kind of goes outside of those um, those things that were discussed, but they, most of the time, they all usually just kind of accept it and say, oh, that's great that, you know, you did your own thing. Uh, we appreciate it. So yeah, he says it's a, it's a lot easier, generally speaking. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that that's the case. I think, you know, when it comes to things like art, um, and especially when we can't do things, I think there's definitely a like, well, do your thing and do it better than I could imagine, you know, <laughs> is how we look at it. And I think as, you know, say his resume has been built, you know, the complete library of works he's done, it really is the kind of thing where people want to, you know, they they want it because it's him, you know, the, the individuality and his point of view is what makes his design special. Uh, so there's a certain credibility, I think, that comes with that and people will be very, very happy to see him do it his way as well. あの、あの、期待をされてるっていうのはすごく感じますね。で、当然そうなると僕もやる気が出ますので、うん。まあ、まあね、ちょっと<笑> Um, he says that a lot of the times when he's communicating with people he is working with outside of Japan, at the end of, you know, the communication, it, usually they say something in the lines of, as you said, like, do your thing. You know, they're like, we, this is what we were thinking, but, you know, we expect you to do your thing, do whatever you feel is right. Um, so he does feel like, you know, there is kind of an expectation that is like, put on him and so it actually motivates him a lot more to do something that's great mm -hmm. um and he says he says he's a little bit worried that japanese people are going to listen to this podcast he's like a little bit <laughs> he, he was kind of hesitating to say this but he says that you know it, he says in japan um you know people really just want you to follow whatever rules that or not rules but like whatever um format or concept that they're like kind of proposing to him and you know if he doesn't follow what they discussed then you know usually there's some kind of discomfort around it so mm -hmm. that can be difficult sometimes mm. i think yeah the, there's a definite sort of cultural difference in the way i guess business or or things like that are discussed between the two you know uh, two societies and and how that stuff goes you know um, and it's it's what makes both 
individual and special, but I can see for him being caught in the middle how that can sometimes be be tricky and then how the freedom, especially as an artist, would be an appealing thing, you know, which is why um, some of those designs have turned out so special, but it's because he's just able to flourish and enjoy the process um, rather than, say, ticking boxes on a sheet because it's it's hard to do that with art. まあ、プロレスの仕事はそうでもないですけどね。でもまあ、あのーまあ、T シャツとかプロレスとか関係なしに、あのー、日本のアーティストは、まあ、日本の,その物書きの人っていうのは、まあうん、求められてるのはいい商品を作ることですよね。だから日本人はずっとその、まあ、商品を作るっていうことに関してはすごく情熱があって。だから漫画とかアニメーションがもう世界にも通用するようなものができたと思うんですけどうーんそうだな僕が言っちゃちょっと生意気だけど例えば海外の人は僕に対しては商品であると同時にかそれ以上に作品を期待してますよねだからうーん僕のことをそのアーティストというふうに見てくれるのはうーん海外の人の方が。多いいのかなという気がしますやっぱり日本の仕事は、うん、まあまあプロレスの仕事はそうでもないんですけど、まあ、プロレスラーの皆さん自身がアーティストみたいなものだから、まあ、そこは共鳴してやるわけですけど、うん、まあ商品と作品の違いっていうのがあるような気がします日本と海外で。So he says that, you know,、um... You know, obviously, working with the wrestling community is not really the case、uh, in that side, but he says that in general, Uh, Japanese artists, what they're sort of expected is to create a good product. So, you know, he says that Japan is really good at making quality products and they've excelled at that. For example, you know, anime,、mm-hmm. manga, that kind of like products that can travel outside of Japan, that can、yes. like, you know,、uh, have, a lot of, yeah, have a lot of fans. They're really good at that. But he says that it's really a question of a work of art versus a product. And he says that, you know, for artists that want to make a piece of art, then it's a little bit more difficult in Japan. Whereas he thinks that the way he's perceived by,、um, again, this is, you know, debatable. And obviously, he says it's not really the case in the wrestling community, but he says that、um, whenever he works in Japan, he really feels like he's expected to make a good product. Whereas he, when he works with people, Outside of Japan, he feels like he's really valued as an artist who makes works of art.、Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I completely understand and couldn't agree more. Hi there, listeners. Andrew Cramond here, the proprietor of Bleeding Gums Wrestling, which is a new deathmatch centric wrestling promotion based in Edinburgh, Scotland. And then myself and Rafe have a little cross promotion going on where Bleeding Gums Wrestling supports Faces and Feels, Faces and Feels supports Bleeding Gums Wrestling as we try to make the world a more ultra violent place to live in. Now, Bleeding Gums Wrestling's first show is called the Ultra Violence Referendum and it's on November the 18th, 2023, in the dissection room of Summer Hall in Edinburgh. Tickets are available. Go to www. Bleedinggumswrestling.co.uk and get your tickets there. However, if you can't be at the show and you live, for example, in somewhere like Australia, we will have streaming options available. They will be announced very, very soon. Anyway, 
I'll let you get back to Rafe and faces and feels. I'm, I'm wondering about his style because it is it's something that, that to me is very individual to him. And there's a way that he captures the wrestlers in almost, um, how do I word it, like a beautifully ugly way, I guess. You know what I mean? Like it's not a, it's not like rippling muscles and, and perfect, you know, chiseled art and things like that. It's got this grittiness, this ugliness and this cartooniness that I, I feel is really unique. Is there certain influences that he lent on or was it just over time that was just sort of the way he saw things and, and how he expressed it? うん。まあ、漫画そんなにマッチョじゃない人を筋肉質に描きすぎてもそれは帰ってばかりされちゃいますからうんあとまあ僕はレスラーはモンスターでやってほしいのであのモンスターにしようと思ってますはいそう he says that basically he's been uh drawing ever since he was a kid and he says earlier and he was he also loved uh wrestling ever since he was a kid so you know those two hobbies were kind of working in parallel but he says that the, you know, what really influenced him is probably the mangas that he was reading. He was reading a lot of mangas and a lot of them were mangas that he thought had beautiful drawings. Mm -hmm. So he was really drawn to the, the beauty of the drawings and the mangas. And he says that that probably influenced the way that, you know, his work is mainly uh, black and white or, you know, one or two colors at most. Um, but he says that when it comes to the way he draws the wrestlers, um, you know, he's just saying that, like, I'm, he says, I'm not going to draw a wrestler who isn't that muscular as having crazy muscles. Yeah. You know, I, I want to be true to the way they look. Mm -hmm. But he also says that he wants the wrestlers to be monsters. Mm -hmm. He sees them as monsters. He wants them to be monsters. So, you know, it kind of reflects maybe that, that, um, that thought that he has. Absolutely. I can 100% see that. Like, you know, the, they have this larger-than-life feel but then still maintaining, you know, the the same attributes, you know. He, he's so good at – and I'm sure he just works off, you know, photo reference or maybe, you know, seeing some video and things like that. The way he can kind of capture the essence of the wrestler and who they are 
in really, like you say, very few colours, very few details, things like that, but capture who that person is, you know who it is straight away. And I think there's a real gift in that to just be able to distill somebody down to their essence and then get that across through cartoon style artwork, you know. あの、子供の頃から似顔絵を描くの好きなんですね。で、あの、ま、例えば学校の先生の顔を描くとか、え、友達の顔を描くとか。人の顔を描くのが好きなんですよね。で、うん、だからま、プロレスの仕事は当然
it was kind of hard to see what how people were reacting to them because you know he, you couldn't see tweets of people yeah. saying oh this is amazing um but he says there he saw so many people wearing the t-shirt that he kind of assumed that like people liked it mm-hmm. and he says the most important thing is that the um, wrestlers liked them yeah so that was what was most important for him mm-hmm. absolutely it's got to do T シャツを作ったことでその後に来るアメリカ人たちはあのポンドさんが、えーまあ、ブッキングをしてたと思うんですよね当時。でネクロブッチャーさんとか、えー、トビー・クラインとかみんなそのポンドさん、えー、あれもそうですね亡くなったえー、っとなんだっけ,なんだっけまあまあ,あの何人も来ましたけど。<笑>まあ、彼らはみんなそのポンドさんのあれで来ましたから当然僕も紹介してもらうわけで、えー、そこからですね、あのーまあ、広がっていったっていうのはありますでオーストラリアも実はポンドさんがきっかけで、えー、ダニオンプロレスにダニ,ダニエル・バーモントですねレフリーのダニエルが、あのー、来た時に、まあ、ポンドさんに、あのー、あそこにレフリーがいるだろあれダニエルって言うんだけどだあいつを、あのーリベラに連れてってくれ。リベラっていうのは、あの、有名なステーキハウスです。で、まあ、あの、外国人のレスラーたちはみんなそこに行きたがるんですよね。で、ダニエルがそのリベラに行きたいって言ってるんで、明日連れてけって言うんですね、ポンドさんが<笑>あ。あなた連れてけじゃないですかって言いたいんだけども、まあ、要するに俺は明日帰国しちゃうから、お前連れてけっていう話になって、それで僕はその、ダニエル・バーモントをリベラに連れてったんですね。オーストラリアとのお付き合いはそこからなんですよ。だから、マトマンポンドがいなかったら僕は今このインタビューを受けてないと思います。そのぐらいのあのー、僕の人生に影響を与えたそうです。ポンドさんは。Basically, he said that、um, starting then, like when he once he built this relationship with、uh, Madman Pondo, he, you know, all other American wrestlers and、uh, started getting booked through him and coming to Japan more,、uh, such as Toby Klein and other people. Um, and then he started getting re- relationships with them too. And then one day,、um, this、uh, referee called Daniel Bar-、uh, Barmont, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Barmont,、uh, came and、uh, Manuel Tondo asked s e i s a n to bring、um, Daniel to this steakhouse called、um, Libera. It's like a Libera. known Libera where a lot of、uh, foreign wrestlers they all want to go there apparently. So, He asked,、uh, Manuel Pondo asked Say to、um, bring him there. So that's where,、um, and Daniel Barmont was this Australian、uh, referee. And so th- he says that that's where his relationship with、um, basically Australia started. And he says that he wouldn't be, he might not be here right now filming this podcast if it wasn't for、uh, Manuel Pondo. Yeah, Ribera, for anybody who doesn't know, is a legendary steakhouse in Japan. And it was a big thing for wrestlers to get the Ribera jacket. So、uh, the owner would give his favorite wrestlers like these silk zip up, you know, Japanese style jackets that you see.、Uh, and it was a real sort of like status symbol to go to Japan and to go to the steakhouse and get the jacket. And that meant you were like a touring wrestler, you know, like I, I went to Japan and I, I did all that. So that was like a really big deal. So I could see how that would be a huge thing they wanted to tick off. Um, it's funny that that was how he ended up meeting Daniel and, and starting to do stuff with Australia. So, 
did Daniel come with Man Man Pondo or was he just there as well and they just like ran into him? Oh, so it was, uh, he was saying that it was um, uh, that uh, Man Man Pondo who asked Say to bring Daniel Barman. So Saison took Daniel Barman to the restaurant. Ah, so okay then, right. And then they Sorry, met there. I, so so he, no, 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 that's totally fine. So he essentially worked as the go between between them and that led yes. to the relationship shoring up. Um, exactly. Is that then how he met Mad Dog? Yeah, it's a Mad Dog, but it's a little bit later. Daniel met at the time, え、彼が単独で日本に来てたので、で、その、え、何回目かの時にマートドックも一緒に来たんだと思います。で、例えばオーストラリアから今度、え、自分の友達のダレスが日本に行くから、ちょっとこうケアしてくれとか、そういう連
It's uh, it's funny. So a little bit of a peel behind the curtain for for everybody is before we actually hit record on this, we were talking about drinking, and so it's come full circle the the conversation today uh, about that. But I mean, that's how say it. I bet so it's not all the way surprising. Um, when I recently um spoke to Madman Pondo, I was relating to him a story. Say it told me so. Though most of Say's friends drink and, you know, it's all party and stuff like that, Madman Pondo does not drink. Um, would Say mind telling us the story about the time that Madman Pondo did drink in his own words? はい、はい。あの、そうなんです。あの、デスマッチファイターというかプロレスラーでもね、あのね、大きな体して飲めない人はいっぱいいます。で、ポンドさんもその人ですね。あの、ま、実は大仁田さんも飲めないそうですし、
hey, come on, guys in both. Hey, come on, guys in both. So, Pondo-san、uh, owns a chair in station. Pondo-san が<笑>あのいつの上で、ね、もう寝ちゃってるんですよ、駅の。それをマサダさんが写真撮りながら、へ、う、い、ん、カモン外人ボス、外人はまあフォーリナーだってことなんですけど、カモン外人ボス、カモン外人ボスって、もう寝てるのいいことにみんなでいたずらするんですよね。He said they were, he was,、uh, Madame Tono was laying in, the, in one of the chairs in the station, he was totally collapsed on a chair, and then they were just all teasing him, saying, come on, Gaijin boss, like, come on, get up, like. <laughs>、um... When I asked Madman Pondo about this, he said that he didn't know he was drinking alcohol and it was a mistake.、Uh, and then he got really drunk by accident. Are you saying this is a lie and he did want to try the sake? So, Pondo san wa gama sarete no masareta gura no koto itirun desu ka ne? Dato shara Pondo san wa ano uso tsuite masu yo. He says if he's saying that he got fooled into drinking, he's lying. <laughs> <laughs> I want to sake. He said, I really want to drink Japanese sake. Okay, yes, yes. So, a little bit of creative license, but whatever we get to the truth, <laughs> then it, it just was not for him.、Um, so, is there any.、Um, Fun stories that you'd, you'd like to tell, real quick, as we start to wrap up here of、uh, your antics, you know, with the, the wrestlers and, and some of the fun stories of just be, being a part and being around them. Because as, as I've done this podcast and as I've got to know them, they really are very special people. Some, some of my, my best friends have, you know, are, are wrestlers now, and, and I'm really always for. You know, such fearsome warriors. I'm, I'm often really touched by how kind they are and, and, you know, how caring they are about their friends and each other and, and me and everything like that. So, is there anything that you, you would like to say, you know, about your time working with the wrestlers and, and who they are? So, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. うん。そうです。本当にセルフプロデュースの仕事なんだなというのはあのいつもすごく思います。えー、その自分がその何者かっていうことをすごく皆さんよく考えていてで、まあ、例えば笠井潤さん、まあ、笠井さんの話は皆さん聞きたいと思うんでちょっと笠井さんの話しますけどあの笠井さんは本当にその、えー、自分のねその、えー、パーソナリティをすごくちゃんと研究して客観的に見て、うん、その上でグッズも作るので T シャツも作るので、あのー、要望がすごく具体的だしうんだからなんかこうリングの中で目いっぱい暴れるだけがやっぱりプロレスラーではないんだなっていうのは
こういう仕事をしてるとすごくよくわかりますね。あのうん、なんかこうトータルしてプロレスラーもう本当に四六時中プロレスラーなんだなと思います。うん、であとそのあまあかここで一回切りましょうかそうですねあの笠井さんがもう本当にいい例で、えー、その四六時中プロレスラーであるで自,己自己プロデュースの世界の中で生きてる人たちだっていうそういう迫力をいつも感じます。うん Um, he says that, you know, working around wrestlers, what he really feels is that wrestling or being a wrestler is really about self producing. So, you know, he says that wrestlers are really people who are constantly having to rethink about who they are or like what they represent and how they're seen, what, how they want to be seen.、Um, they're really constantly thinking about that. And he says that, you know, To take an example of Kasai Jun, he says that、um, Kasai Jun really takes the time to sort of investigate what his personality is, what he represents to his fans. And so, whenever he makes、um, merch, there is that very、um, strong attention to detail and、um, you know, the way he、um, works with Seisan, for example, is very.、Um, Meticulous, like it's very detailed, and、um, he knows exactly what he wants and he knows exactly he wants it to come out and be seen. So he says, you know, wrestling really is not about just going crazy on the ring. He says it's it's a really, it's a total, it's a complete production of the self.、Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of have to think about, you have to be a wrestler 24 7 essentially. Absolutely. It's, it's all branding, right? It's、um, every level of that because it can just be within the ropes, but the ones who are really successful that can prosper and do it full time, and especially on like an independent level,、uh, like Jun Kasai, that they've really got to put in that work, you know, have the. The merch and the social media and the video and the matches, everything will wind together to create a total package that people can get behind and be invested. And when you think about, you know, some of the great names we've spoken about in this podcast,、uh, when you think about, you know, Atsushi Onida, Matsunaga Mr. Danger, Jun Kasai, Masashi Takeda, they've all done that. And they've, Mad Man Pondo, like they've all done that really, really well.、Um, and I feel like Say has played a part in that, you know, we, with, with some of these guys. And his aesthetic and his art is a, a huge part and as much a part of their total package than the wrestling is, you know. And does, does he take a lot of pride in that and, and look at the work he's done? Uh, and, and feel really good about what he's managed to accomplish and, and help them accomplish? まあ、僕が T シャツ書いたぐらいでイメージが壊れちゃうようなレスラーはいないと思うんですけど、まあ、それでも責任は感じますよね。でうんあとまあそうですねちょっと話は違うかもしれないけれども
、あの例えば葛西選手みたいに情報量がたくさんある人はデザインすごくしやすいんですよね。で例えば葛西さんを書く場合にもちろん血という要素があるし流血血と,いう血という要素はあるしまあ狂気もたくさんありますし、えー、いろんな歴史今までやってきた試合とかスタイルたくさん情報があるのでうんこう T シャツを書く上ではデザインする上では本当に困らないだからそのコーディネートができてるコーディネートがもう成功してるレスラーほどまあ正直なところを僕らは仕事しやすいっていうのがあのー、すごくあります。で、葛西さんと武田さんと、まあ、それぞれ僕は1回ずつオーストラリアに行ってますけれども、まあ、そちらで売る T シャツもあの僕はデザインさせてもらって、でも、どこの国に持ってっても、どんな僕、あのー、ちゃんと彼らの情報や歴史を知っていれば、どこの国でも通用するデザインを書くことができるので、オーストラリアでもすごく評判、あのー、おかげさまで。嬉しいことにあの評判良くて T シャツもよく売れましたし、はい、あのそれは本当にあの楽しい仕事だなと思いますし、あのまあレスラーの皆さんのそういう自己プロデュースは本当に尊敬してます。ありがたいです。うん。えっ、ー、と、he says that he he yes he takes a lot of pride in that work and also he feels A lot of responsibility actually, because you know, he says obviously a lot of the wrestlers they don't have an image that can be、uh, sort of ruined in a with a simple t shirt. But he says that,、um, but he does feel like a responsibility in the making of this,、uh, the world around him,、uh, this like self producing. And he says that, for example, to go back to、uh, Kasai Jun, he says because he has so many. Um, sort of recognizable details such as you know, blood or、um, uh, weapons that he uses, or you know, there's like a lot of information relating to his past matches, or you know, he has a long history that can be recognized. So it's easier to make a t shirt with someone who has very recognizable cues,、mm-hmm. um, or just wrestlers who have a very strong personal brand.、Mm-hmm. Um, He says that he's made t shirts for、uh, Takeda san and Kasai Jun、uh, every time they,、uh, twice when they,、uh, both times that they went to Australia.、Mm-hmm. Um, and then he says that, you know, it's once you get to that level where you have this connection with the wrestler,、uh, you can make designs that can really sort of surpass、uh, borders, you know, like his t shirts sold really well in Australia. Uh, and he says, you know, I just, he just enjoys his work a lot. He says it's really fun and he really respects the way that wrestlers create this personal brand for themselves. That's awesome. That's, a, that's so cool. And it, it's so nice to hear that, you know, that, that personal self reward is there in the work that he's doing.、Um, am I able to ask him about his? So he's putting together a collection of all his designs and he's going to release it as a book. I got to see a, a, you know, a beginning copy or a draft copy in Japan. Does he have a release date set up? Like, can, can we talk about it briefly? Ah, hi. It's so nice. 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 まあ、実際それを販売するとなると、ま
ね、許可を得たりしなきゃいけませんから、まあ、どうなのかな。少なくとも、まああのー、日本の団体の人には許可をもらわなきゃいけないので、まあ、今のところ発売のめどは立ってないんですけども、えーまあ、近い将来出したいとは思ってますしうん、まあ、実際そういうのが欲しいと言ってくれる人もいるのでうんそうですね、まああのー、近いうちには出したいなとは思ってます。はい um, so he says he did in fact make a draft copy, but、um... He says that if he wants to actually sell it as a product, he's going to have to get all of the copyright for all of the images. So he says that, you know,、um, he needs to first start by contacting all of the people he's worked with in Japan、uh, regarding his designs. So he says that, you know, he wants to release it soon, but he's not sure when that's going to be. But a lot of people have contacted him saying they want. They do want the book, so he's working on that currently. Excellent, that's going to be a really exciting project. So, anything worth doing is worth doing correctly, and obviously, you need to tick all the correct boxes. But everybody should keep an eye out for that in the near future. As I, as I said, I got to see the draft copy, and it was an amazing collection of works, and it's like a collection of, I guess, wrestling history, you know, as that plays out.、Um, Does say have any final words for the listeners, anybody who's tuned in to hear him? And、uh, can he tell people where to find him online if they want to contact him for a design or see any of his works? I'm まあ、さっき言ったようにそのマートマンポンドアメリカ人のポンドさんの紹介でダニエル・バーモントとまあ知り合ってでまあ彼がすごく社交的な人なのでいろいろなオーストラリアの人を紹介してくれてでまあそういった流れからまあ僕もね2回オーストラリアに行くことになってすごくそれまでは本当オーストラリアってあの全く自分に縁がある国とは思ってなかったので。うん、あのとても不思議だなと思ってますけど、あのー、今となっては本当に僕にとっては親しみのある国でオーストラリアはまた行きたいと思ってますし葛西、うんまあ、選手も武田選手もオーストラリアの印象はすごく良かったみたいで,で対戦した2人ともマットドックと試合してるんですけど、まあ、2人ともマットドックの印象はとても良くて、うんあのまあ、敵ながらあっぱれじゃないんですけど、まあ、本当に。あのいいレスラーだということを言ってくれていましたし、はいでまあ、マットドッグもそうだしあのビクシンですね女性レスラーのビクシンも僕は本当彼女にデスマッチ日本でやってほしいなと思ってるしオーストラリアにはすごく思い入れがありますだからあのこれからもまあ仲良くしてくださいということはあのとても言いたいです。でそれと、まあ、自分の仕事に関しては、えー、と実は僕はツイッターですとかインスタグラムみたいなものをやってなくてですねあの、まあ、プロとしてはどうかという話なんですけど、まあ、僕,にと僕の最新の情報を見るとしたらフェイスブックになるのでフェイスブックリクエストをくだされば、はい、あの嬉しいなと思いますしあの、まあ、作品は基本的には全体公開にしているので。あの見ることはできると思います。ですからまあ連絡いただけるんだったらあのまあフェイスブックが一番、えー、ははい受け取りやすいかなと
はい、あの思います。あの全然英語の文章で構いませんので、はい、あの仲良くしてください。<笑> so um he kind of wants to conclude um this podcast by talking a little bit、uh, a little bit about Australia. Um, you know, he was saying that like meeting Madman Pond basically created this opportunity to also meet Daniel Barma. And then from there, he met all of these Australian wrestlers. And he never thought that he would have this,、um, this you know, beautiful connection to Australia. But now he, he feels like he's very connected to the, 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 the land and he really wants to go again. Um, Kasaijin and Takeda both loved really both loved wrestling with、uh, Mad Dog and they really liked Australia and、uh, the, this female wrestler at Big C. Big C. He also really、um, loves, her, uh, loves her and he wants her to do matches in Japan. So, yeah, he says he wants to keep、uh, working with the community in Australia and he's really looking forward to it. And in regards to where we can find him online,、uh, he says he doesn't have Twitter or Instagram, <laughs>、uh, but he is on Facebook. And he says that if you send him a friend invite, he will accept it. And you, know, you can shoot him a message in English, and that's fine.、Uh, yeah. Excellent. No worries. Well, I want to. To thank him for his time, Abi Arigato Gazaimaster Osawa san, and Yuki, I can't thank you enough for giving up your time and the amazing work you've done today. It's, it's huge for you to give up your evening like this and to, to really help connect something like this. This is, I feel like this interview is going to like mean a lot to like a lot of people, and I think they're really going to enjoy hearing Say's words. And so, like, I just can't thank you enough. Can you tell people where they can find you, where they can find out everything about the documentaries it looks to come out next year? Thank you. I hope I didn't.、Uh, <laughs> I hope I did a, a decent job. I'm kind、amazing. of terrified. I never did a, <laughs> this kind of translation,、mm-hmm. uh, but it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it.、Um, Uh, you can find me on Instagram, I guess. My name on Instagram is Yuki, so Y U K I dot K P, and I will be slowly releasing information about the documentary. Excellent. No worries. Well, once it gets a little bit closer, I'd love to have you back and you can come on and we could tell your story and, you know, promote the documentary for you and people could get a little bit more insight into to your journey. Yeah. Ah,、oh, that would be amazing.、Yeah. Thank you. No, that would be so good.、Um, please thank Say for me. Thank him so much for his time.、Um, I'll make sure to send him all the links and all the different things so he can share it around once it comes. And well, that's if he wants anybody in Japan to hear it. <laughs> if he wants to keep it a secret, we don't need to tell anybody, <laughs> but it will be out and it will be in the world and online. もうみんなみんなに聞いてもらいましょう。<笑>で、あ本当にあれですね、あの本当ユキさんに助けてもらって本当にありがとうございます。それとあのね、もし僕が本当に英語を話せたらもっといろいろ話したと思うんですけど、うん、まあでもあのすごく楽しかったです。ありがとうございます。He said, let's share it all. I I don't care anymore. Let's have everyone listen to it. And he said he had a lot of fun today. He wishes his English was a little bit better. He says maybe I could have talked about more things, but he had a lot of fun. 
don't don't worry about it at all. I can tell you right now that Say's English is a lot better than my Japanese, which is basically non-existent. So I really appreciate his time. Next Biru on me when I see him next time I'm in Japan, if he doesn't get to Australia first. And I want to thank every single person out there for listening for tuning in and for enjoying this interview. If you like this, if you'd like to see more stuff like this and this kind of content, I would really love to explore the scene in Japan a little bit more um, and maybe that's something we can look to doing. So everybody out there, thank you for listening and remember, it's all about peace, love and pro wrestling. Thanks everyone for listening. Faces and Feels is a DIY project created and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram at FacesFeelsCast, Twitter at FacesFeelsCast and Facebook at FacesFeelsCast. Or send us an email with topic suggestions or feedback to facesandfeels at gmail.com and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Our banger theme is Loose Lips Sink Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify and now hang around for a quick word from some friends of the show. Peace out. My body is a roadmap of pain. Deathmatchworldwide.com, the official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a deathmatch wrestling promotion, manager, or platform and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent feud.